One little act of kindness can go a long, long way. Two little acts of kindness can brighten anyone's day. Three little acts of kindness can make a beautiful sound. Many acts of kindness help the world go round. Hi, and welcome back to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features people from all walks of life talking about experiences they had as a child and how those events impacted them as an adult. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of childhood experiences that have impacted who I am, all of them painful or eventful or even pleasant, have helped make me who I am today. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's One Little Act of Kindness, a children's book that is perfect for the holiday season. Tell Me What Happened is also sponsored by LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free, and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will appreciate it. That's LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter now. All right, so today I have as my first guest a good friend of mine, a man that I used to teach with at Whitney Young a long time ago, a man who is now the executive director of K-12 education initiatives and the my very own library program at the University of Chicago. Welcome, Dwayne Davis. Dwayne, great to have you on the show. Are you ready to tell your story? I'm ready. I think I'm ready. All right. Well, this is how it's going to work, Dwayne. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to mute my microphone. At the end of your story, I'm going to ask you one question. How do you think that experience has impacted who you are today? So take it away, Dwayne. All right. So I believe the year was 1990. It might have been 1989. As you get older, the years kind of blur together. You're not sure which year is the right year and which year this kind of seed actually got planted. But I definitely was a gainfully employed teenager at like an office job. And I heard about this program. And I'm going to name the program. I was going to Google to see if it still existed. But uh, it's an integral part of the story. program was called En-ROSE. Excellent program um, at the time. Uh, it was a program to try to get young African-American and Latinx uh, high school students into like internship programs for business. So you get like a really good kind of office job and then it, it turns into like a network of people. You can kind of keep that job and internship through college. And it was trying to be a pipeline program. And I believe, having done the research on this and looked it up, that it was relatively successful program like the young people I know that participated in at the time um, are I think many of them in business or you know doing something that have had long careers like inside of companies in that way so I as a as a teenager at the time with my office job that I had that was a relatively minimum wage job I might have been making four something an hour I'm not quite sure what the what the hourly rate was at the time it was a lot of money to me said, I'm going to go to this En-ROSE program. You had to have a certain GPA. You had to have a certain, you know, it wasn't super high. And I wasn't, I wasn't, 
I was, I believe I was a talented student, but I wasn't a good student. I didn't kind of know how to navigate those waters or possibly didn't even care how to navigate those waters in that way of trying to adjust as a young person at the time. So I apply this program and I get to go do an interview and I know, okay, I got to go to an interview. I've never been on like a formal, formal job interview for like a business situation. And I, I'm a young person at the time that, I mean, I, I dressed fairly okay. And I say fairly okay. Like I, I like to wear like slacks and t-shirt and you know, shirts, like button up shirts at the time. And in the late eighties, nineties, you know, they might be like a silk or rayon shirt with like some kind of floral print on it or, you know, and you had the high top fades and I had a high top fade and I had my ear was pierced. And I go into this interview with a respectable pair of pants, a respectable pair of, of, of shoes. Uh, I think a, a like an off white, I can still see myself too, like an off white kind of button up shirt. I even put a tie on, but it wasn't the kind of shirt that took a tie. So it wasn't like a dress dress shirt, like a press, you know, dress shirt that got like lightly starched to the dry cleaner. And I go into this interview because I got to the interview and at the time I'm trying to decide what I want to major in and I legitimately were I think on my application I put business or English and if I believe correctly this is my junior year of high school I think in the intro mentioned that I taught at uh, Whitney Young Magna High School but I'm also a graduate of Whitney Young Magna High School and my English teachers at Whitney Young really impacted me that, that's getting ahead of the stories but they did. So I get to this interview and I get to this office and it's a downtown office and other young people are there and they're dressed up too. I'm dressed a little differently. I'm a, I'm a little more alternative. I got the big high top fade and it was pretty tall. It was kid and play tall. And um, I got my earring in and I think people have one like, they have on suits. They're, they're, there's some young ladies there. They're dressed kind of business professional. And, you know, my mother's a college graduate. Like, you know, I have, I'm, I've got teachers in my family, professionals in my family, but you know, doesn't quite ram one in a job interview. Like, oh, I said, internship, I will see what it is. So I get to the interview. I don't know, I can't remember one thing they asked me. I do remember the end of the interview. They say, you did great. I got two, three things I need to tell you. Three things. One, on your application, you put business or English. Don't put English. Don't put English. I'm 15 years old. Okay, all right. Second, Take the earring out next time you come for an interview, like remove your earring. Third thing, wear a suit to the next interview. And I walk out of there, I'm a little miffed. <laughs> like, hey, and I had enough perspective, I think at that time to be like, I, I'm a kid. Like, I don't know what I want to do right now. Like I'm about to lock in. I got to tell people I'm not sure. It, it really kind of, in that moment, like, so I go back, I get the second interview. There's another level to this, right? And I think the idea that there are gates, right? And you got to like get the right key to the right gate. <laughs> you know, I think about the movie, The Matrix and the, the guy that makes the keys to open the doors in the back, <laughs> you know, the back channels on the internet, that, meta, that, that metaphor for that. And it's like, there's another key. Another key is another interview. So I go to for the interview, literally, like I might've been outside of the building. I remove my earring. I don't have a suit. I, I don't have money like in two weeks to procure a suit. I, to be honest, I don't even know where to get a suit. Like I haven't had at that time in my life, like an Easter suit since I was like in the fifth grade. So we're not buying, I, I think I had an eighth grade graduation suit that I got at like a, like a store on 71st street on the South side of Chicago. And it's like, I, I don't know where to go procure a suit at 15 years old as a you know, junior in high school. So I go to the next interview, take the earring out, walk in, says, 
I do well again. I'm going on to the next round. Like, oh, you did great. And it was interesting to get feedback there, like right there in the moment. Like I didn't find out I didn't make it. Like uh, there was no email, you know, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any of that. I, I got, I didn't get a phone call. They told me right there, like you did great. You made it to the next round. Two things this time. Don't put English on your, <laughs> don't put English on your application. And then two, you need a suit. And I'm glad you didn't have an earring in your ear. You know, it was like, it was like they were all talking about candidates. And I, as a candidate, I seemed to be a good candidate, but I had these kind of flags on me. And flag, you know, flag number one is I wanted to, I was thinking about being an English major and not being a business major. Flag number two is I got my ear pierced, which at the time in the 90s could mean a lot of different things. But for me, it was just a fashion choice. And then the third thing was, is that I needed a suit, you know, like that, that, that somehow the covering of a suit, you know, made me more legitimate candidate, which means maybe they didn't really read my application where it's like, I don't have money for a suit. I do have a job. I'm dressed as, as a young person. I'm dressed appropriately for an interview. I'm dressed as dressed up as I could possibly be. And, and they didn't have a thing that said, oh, we need to get this young person a suit. It was like, you need to get a suit. <laughs> so then you can kind of have the proper identification, the next key to get to the next level in this particular game that I decided to play at this particular point in my life. And I walked out of that second interview and was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be an English major. Because clearly, <laughs> if they say that's the wrong thing to do, then it must be the right thing to do for me. It, it legitimately solidified the idea <laughs> that I should major in English. And then the story continued, right? And so, but at that moment, that moment solidified like what I was going to major. I didn't know what I was going to do with an English major, but I knew why I wanted to major in English is because of the teachers that I had throughout my life, including my family, that impacted me as far as st stories, narrative, reading, talking, writing, all those things. Right then, in that moment, I made the decision when I walked out of that door that I was going to be an English major and I'd figure out what to do after that. But business was likely not going to be for me. And that's my story. That's a great story. So you definitely were, became an English teacher. So I know the impact to some extent is... I thank God you don't wear that suit because you're a heck of an English teacher. But anyway, I'm going to let you tell me how you think it's impacted your life because obviously there was two roads that diverged in the woods and one of them was the business uh, side and the other side was uh, becoming an educator in English uh, with an English degree. And like you said, it doesn't mean you necessarily become a teacher if you're an English teacher, if you're an, if you're an English major. So tell us how it impacted your life then, uh, Dwayne. So I think the... I mean, I think of this in like four different ways. So I think way number one was that it is okay to not know, right? That the uncertainty of life was important. The uncertainty of this may, I have to take a risk in order to do something. I have to do something that everybody might not think is the most popular or the right thing to do. Like definitely impacted my life in both negative and positive ways, right? So, so you know, like, hey, I'm going to take a stand. Like, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to take a principal stand on something. And I've, you know, definitely felt the consequences of standing on principles in a lot of different ways in my life. But, but in that moment, it's the idea of knowing and not knowing and then being aware of your knowing and not knowing. Two, it's like, follow your passion. Like, it, it's a bit of like, if it's something that you enjoy doing, 
that you gain joy from, you can hopefully find a way to do that thing and not become cumbersome, you know, <laughs> that you can continue that thing. And maybe you can do it in some way, shape or form for a professional career, but that it always stays with you. And, and definitely like my love of, of literature, my love of reading, my love of story it has transferred in some cases to theater and the movies and the TV shows, but, but it's rooted in this idea that, that stories matter to me and that, that everybody's humanity and stories matter to me. And we see people's humanity in their stories and, and knowing their story, talking to people, getting to know them, getting to understand them, building community with them. Like that's how we build it. We build it through the telling the story. We build it through sharing information with each other in that way. I think the third thing, I ended up becoming an English teacher and in becoming an English teacher, what I didn't necessarily want to do was transfer my love of certain texts. But what I wanted to transfer was the skill set that I thought it gave me that ultimately, interestingly enough, people in business find valuable, right? You know, he's, oh, this person can tell stories. Oh, this person can't like, very quickly summarize, synthesize, and move us to a different point in discussion and direction, like very quickly, right? And, and that comes from lots of coffee time discussions, classroom chats, things that I learned from young people, things that learn, young people would learn from me, being in the community with other people and learning those things. And so the, the, the idea that the skill set that I got was kind of transferable in that way. I, I'm using that terminology because it was interesting about it in reflection and telling this story is that the thing that I turned out to be good at, other people think I'm good at too. <laughs> and I just happened to have this very circuitous route in order to get there in order to say, in that moment, I'm going to make this decision to do this thing and not do this other thing. And I think lastly, it's what I try to transfer to young people as an educator. And I, you know, you say teacher educator, I, this is my 26 year in education and it's respecting young people who don't know and telling and, and trying to transmit to them that it's okay to do what you don't know. It's perfectly fine to not know that there's a lot of things in your life that you're not going to be sure of and that you need to think about them and consider them. But if you're not sure, that's okay, that you can, you can kind of fight against the tide of a group of people who are very happy in wanting to chart out their life in a way and have goals and set those goals. And, and that that's, that's, that's a great thing for them, but that's not for everybody. And that some young people are still trying to figure it out. And I say young people mean anybody uh, not in the ground, not <laughs> still on this earthly plane, we are still trying to figure things out. And I joke with people, and that's my last two points, I joke with people, I joke with people saying, I still don't know what I do when I grow up and I have a grown person that goes to college that lives in my house. <laughs> and that when I figure it out, you know, I'll let everybody know, right? I'll let everybody know. And I always ended um, many of my classes probably in the last 15 years that I've taught by saying, thank you for participating in the grand experiment of education <laughs> because if, if you were here with me and we tried to figure something out together and I tried to teach something or we tried to have a conversation to try to unlock something in your brain, I want to thank people for being there, but I also want to let them know there's not one way to do it. We're all experimenting and trying things out. And I know that moment, that, that inroads moment, that internship moment kind of impacts how I think about all those things in that way. 
I love it. It's it's easy for me to say because I like I identify with everything you say. You know, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm with you, yes. And I think you really hit it where you say you got to let these young people feel it either way. You know, if a kid says, "I know what I want to be," then you say, "Great, congratulations." You know, but as you've articulated, I mean, I'm 65 and I still can't wait to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. So you hit it. Thank you so much, Dwayne. I love talking with you because, again, we're sort of kindred spirits in, in the, the love of the bigger picture. It's not really, you know, it's not English per se. It's, it's the storytelling. It's, you know, that the, the world actually needs us. The business yeah. world needs us. They know it. Everybody uses it. They say the, the number one major uh, for CEOs is English majors. You know, they've done studies on it. So it's not like the business community has a corner on it. But anyway, I'm not trying to uh, push for my uh, our, our discipline. I just enjoy having you on the show, hearing your story. Thank you very much. Happy post-Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Great to be here with you. And, and you never know who you meet along the way who... Uh, who turns into a person that you can always go back to and, and have these conversations with. And, and I met you in a moment where I was trying to make similar decisions, like, you know, uh, in, in the road diverged again and again and again. And, and uh, you look at my, you look at my resume, you can tell like this guy moved around a lot. Um, but really I moved around because I, I wanted to always try to do something interesting. I wanted to always try to move to something that might be more challenging to me. And, 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 and teaching is always challenging and circumstances are always kind of nuanced. But when we crossed paths many years ago, it was brief and then there was long and we're still connected. So I, I appreciate you and all that you do as well. All right. Thanks, Dwayne. Uh, you're sort of my... Uh alternative what might have been because you definitely you know have done an incredible amount of different things and i appreciate having you on the show hearing your insights that it's a profound understanding of people and i hope people really kind of get that out of this is that a kid says i'm not sure and it doesn't make them you know it's like you know don't don't, don't badger him till he figures it out let him have a lifetime of not necessarily floating around but searching picking things up saying do i want to do this do i not but anyway, it's, it's wonder. It's wonder, right? It's, the, well it's wonder. It's what school can do for you and to you is it can open doors for you and it can give you the idea of what's possible, right? And what we kind of school out of young people is we, we, we school them out of like wonder. We want them to know what they want to do. We want them to be secure in that. We want them to then seek this, you know, kind of put the steps in order in order to get to some perceived end goal of something and you know we, we just don't live in a world where that applies as much as it does anymore and that is probably better to encourage young people to be curious to be critical and to consider like a, a, all the possibilities and all the possible options and to do that in a and what we hope the education provides is a is a safe environment to do so like a, a, a risk you can take some risk and still have a safety net. You can take some risk, even with some ideas and kind of work them out and think them out and talk them out with people who are willing to listen to you uh, because you might get into another circumstance where nobody wants to hear what you got to say. But at least I want to hear what you got to say. I want to hear what you want to write. How do we do that in, in formal education and in families and communities across, across you know, again, to, to, for all young people, meaning all people still sentient beings alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I want to thank Dwayne Davis for coming on the show. 
I want to thank all of you, all the sentient beings who are above ground who are listening to us today. I want to thank our sponsors, Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's One Little Act of Kindness, which is perfect for the holiday season, encourages young people to be kind to one another. And also LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren will appreciate it. That's LaughSaver.com. All right. Well, I'm going to end this show as I often do with Susan Salador's classic, One Little Act of Kindness. This is Jay Rehack asking you all to stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. One little act of kindness can go a long, long way. Two little acts of kindness can brighten anyone's day. Three little acts of kindness can make a beautiful sound. Many One little loving word can go a long, long way. Two little loving words can brighten anyone's day. Three little loving words can make a beautiful sound. Many loving words help the world go round. One can go a long, long way. Two little seeds sown can brighten anyone's day. Three little seeds sown can make a beautiful sound. Many seeds sown help the world go around. One little child's laughter can go a long, long way. Two little children's laughter can brighten anyone's day. Three little children's laughter can make a beautiful sound. Many children laughing help the world go round. And many seeds sown. Help the world.